0: Pushing back chaos with
1: Melon Mike and Raph. Welcome back to another episode of pushing back chaos. Number four. No, it's not four. I just got told this. <laughs> it's five. What are you doing? Number five, pushing back chaos with uh, me,
0: Melon, and uh, Mike. How are you going, Mike? Uh, disappointed right off the bat. I, we literally just talked about this and uh, it, it's... It, it's afternoon there for a minute. It's morning yeah. here for me. I'm having a coffee and I am making more sense. I literally was like, no, it's five. And he's like, Oh, here we are. Number four. Oh my God.
1: You know five. what I'm actually disappointed about? What's that? Well, Tio not here. He's off flying people around and getting families reunited and taking people to work and all that sort of stuff as airline pilots do. But uh, when we, were we supposed to RV at a certain time?
0: No, no, I'm, Nope. I'm on time. I'm on it's time. It's like
1: the it's like the one time. I'm just gonna revel in this for a minute here because Mike was late. It was a beautiful thing. I was <laughs> like, uh, I just checked the TOT here that we sort of gave each other to RV. And let's just say it's it was super early for him and it was sort of early, early or late afternoon for me. And I just was chilling doing stuff anyway. But it's good. It's good to be the one who was on time and, so, and be able to point the finger.
0: Yeah, it, it was uh I'm not gonna lie Mark to rides, me,
1: Mark rides me like seabiscuit when I'm a minute, late.
0: <laughs> it's a shitty ride. I'll just say that. It's not enjoyable. <laughs> um he walks all weird and left and right. He wobbles. It's it's kind of, I don't know. But uh no, it was kind of it's kind of a uh a big day for me, man. Uh I didn't sleep really well, so I, I was up late and uh my alarm didn't go off because I didn't set it. Yep. So there's stories, excuses, excuses. I know. But uh, yesterday was my final day uh, at my training job of things. And today I'm checking back into the team and starting off this new chapter that's taken me a little over 15 years to get to, which is pretty crazy. So uh, yeah, I'm going in uh, as soon as I'm done recording this and Checking in and starting that new chapter, dude. So, I mean, I I was nervous all morning, to be honest. Like, it's, you know, when you sit there and you're just like, is this shit really about to happen? Like, this is happening. This is happening. It's like those butterflies you get before vacation or a big event, you know, sort of thing. That was me last night. I'm just sitting there. um, No shit, dude. I'm
1: so proud of you. Like, what you've done and where you've come to and the role you're moving into and the unit you're, you're, you're joining and and the people you're going to be working with, I got I got just nothing but respect. Like I knew what was happening and I didn't give a shit really that you, <laughs> you <were late. laughs> I knew how early it was. And I was like,, oh, let's just blow it off, let's just do it
0: tomorrow. You're
1: like, no, 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 I'll just make a coffee and get there.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, just show up. things happen, you know. Take Here's off. the
1: thing though. like if you if you achieve a standard like this, like you've achieved a certain pinnacle of excellence to go into the role you're going into. There should be nerves. There should be feelings of uh, a bit of anxiety. There should be, it should be something that is resonating in your body. You should, you should be, there should be a sense of bit of overwhelm that can I, can I do this task? I've just thrown my head over the, over the fence. Now I've got to go in there with a freaking junkyard dog. Am I going to be able to get my hat back? (laughs) Yeah. And if it's not that it's like, well, no, you don't have your eyes. You don't have your eyes on a high enough goal. Like, when you're achieving something that you set out to achieve a lifetime ago, it should it should A be a moment of nerves and stuff, but B, you know, you should celebrate. Like there should be there should be a, a, a bit of time to pause and, and process what you what you're doing and what you've done. I'm freaking so proud of you, man.
0: Well, thanks, Mel. I I I really want to give credit to God for one. Um, he's led me on this path to get here, but also, you know, to, to you and Raf and quite a few other people that have always been in my corner mentoring me. Um, I had a conversation last night, actually. I was talking about it. Um, you know, listening to story last last week, you know, was just damn, that guy has every reason just to be the worst person in the world. Um, and I was talking about it last night now I am sitting there, I was just like, man. I wonder if I didn't have this circle of 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 people that I have supporting me or the right outlook where would I be right now in a different reality two and a half years later uh it was like holy shit man I could be completely 180 you know from where I'm at and uh that was eye opening but I was also like you know selfishly I was I was pretty proud of myself man to like know that I didn't take that path. And I could have, I very easily could have. And uh, I just chose not to because I just, it just wasn't right. It just, you know, whatever. But going back to your point about feeling the anxiety and stuff, I don't really, I try not to look at it like that anymore. Like, it's like, oh man, I'm, a, I'm anxious. I, I don't know if I could do this job, whatever. Honestly, my, my whole outlook on it is like, that's living. Cause like yeah. imagine if you weren't doing anything and you're just sitting on yes. the couch and you're just going, like, yep, I'm comfortable and everything's fine. It's just like are you like, yeah, you're alive, but are you really living? So, like when you feel those butterflies, that nervousness, like, holy shit, you see the you see the shadow of the mountain that's coming towards you at your feet. You're like, Oh shit, it's coming, man. It's right there. Like, embrace that feeling that's living, you know, Shh, that, sh- it's a great feeling. So that's kind of how I look at it now, it's just like. I'm letting it happen, go through it, you know, I get goosebumps, like, talking about it a little bit, I'm excited, and it's good, so, uh, yeah, man.
1: 100% good, and what's more, it 100% ties into exactly what we're going to be talking about today, because that tying gratitude into achievement, like, specifically, I'm sort of talking here about having a celebration, like, taking the moment to celebrate the victory is really a key thing. And we've talked about that a lot before. And it's a real thing that I believe in. You hear people, the, the neuro hackers, they're talking about, you know, sort of how to lock in motivational um, behaviors and so on. And a real key one is that when you've achieved a goal to really celebrate and let the, let the reward circuit in the brain really revel in it and not have it immediately go, oh, what's next? <clears throat> Which is that human thing of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's next? Yeah. So it's it's great. Celebrate. Celebrate. Live. Experience it. Feel feel all the nerves. Feel all the feelings. Allow whatever's happening to flow through you. It. It's it's unreal, man. Yeah, and
0: yeah. It, it, there's there's so many good things that can come through it when you just allow it to happen and you don't try to alter it. You don't try to, well, it's not that important, or you know, um, I, I do that once in a while, like I humble myself too much. And when people were telling me, congratulations, and man, you, you're doing a good job. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I get it, you know? And then you're like, no, dumbass, celebrate. <laughs> like, this is a big deal. And I'm like, yeah, I guess it is. All right, I see your point. <laughs> so. It's
1: perfect. And yeah. so then the, the topic that we're going to be talking about today, for everyone, I'm probably they've seen the show notes or the title and so on, is gratitude versus entitlement. And this is a thing that Mike um, and I have been talking about over the last couple of days. And I, th- I think it comes up a lot. It comes up a lot in, in, in life for me, anyway. And I know that, you know, taking in what's happening in, in Western culture and stories in the media and so on, it can be, I certainly see um, a viewpoint of people from all walks of life with an entitlement attitude. An entitlement mentality and i've seen that in my time in the military and in business and sport and all, all all walks of life and it's a different sort of experience to be around someone who has a, grat- a gratitude mentality and we sort of wanted to just have a bit of a free-flowing chat today uh, about what that experience is like how different it is for the individual the gratitude versus entitlement and how different it is to be around other people who are like that and um Certainly for me, the people with that gratitude mentality, there's just happiness, an openness, a joy in them, and they're appreciating things about you, and they're lifting you up. And I always find the entitlement mentality really closed-minded, the glass is half empty, there's constant complaining and so on. And it's just a very different vibe to be around those people. But anyway, that's the topic we're going to talk about. Did you have anything, uh, any observations or points that you wanted to start at? Things that you've thought about over the last couple of days there, Mike?
0: There's two, there's always different sides that I really try to look at stuff. My personal life and my professional life, you know, there's, there's always different aspects of that, but I always try to match them up and try to understand of like, hey, what I do at home ultimately reflects at work and vice versa, right? There's no like switch where it's like, well, um... I'm a fun loving dude at home. And then as soon as I get to work, I flip the switch and I'm an asshole. Right. I mean, don't ask Raph about that. He'll lie to you, but, uh, <laughs> but, like wherever
1: you go, wherever you go, there you are. Right. Like the guy complaining about everything. Yep. funny old thing, is. Constant. Yeah.
0: Right. But you know, look at that personal and professional stuff. When I look at entitlement versus gratitude, you know, um, so many different lessons I've learned about both of these over a while. So I'll start with the uh, personal side of it. And I guess I want to say the entitlement. I had an entitlement problem. Okay, I'll put it out there. Um, so the example that I have with that, you know, it, it was a, it's a huge thing. So I like to talk about it because it literally changed my life and so many lessons have come out of it. Uh, but a relationship, you know, that I that I wanted uh, like two two and a half years ago. Um, I saw a quote. It was actually funny last night before I finally fell asleep. It said, uh, "It said, please don't spend the rest of your days punishing yourself just because someone who couldn't see your value made you doubt your worth." And what I mean, or what I felt when I read that, is you know. I felt like I was doing all the right things and I felt I was putting in a insurmountable (laughs) amount of work. And I was like, well, I put in the work. I know what I was doing. I did the right thing and I deserve this. I deserve this relationship. I deserve this. And, and notice I'm saying I, right. And not we, that was, that was a big thing there. So I wanted an outcome because I put in the work and I didn't really focus or accept any other outcome. So I felt, uh, and I guess in a way I was entitled to that because of all the stuff that I went through up until that point. Looking back on that now, completely wrong. (laughs) Completely wrong. I know what we talked about uh, on one of the old podcasts was like, what could you go back and change? Or what can you go back and tell yourself? That would be one thing is, uh, you know, that sense of entitlement is always about myself and it's not considering other people and what they want and what they're doing. Um, Switching over to professional, it's the same thing. You know, I put in the work. I know that I showed up early 15 minutes every day. I, 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 I deserve this position, right? Well, maybe I'm not going to get the spot you know, maybe, you know, and then what happens when I don't, do I become toxic? Do I become compl- the complainer at work? Oh, this guy's bullshit. I'm going to undermine the boss because, you know, I'm not in charge or I didn't get that position. So I'm just going to make life hell for everybody else. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing It's like, I didn't get what I want, you know, so I'm going to re- reject it. I, you know, I'm entitled. I want, I want, um, that, that's kind of what popped in my head just at first, man. So, you know, for, for you, Melon, or for the listeners, you know, like entitlement, it just keeps popping out I, and it's not really about anybody else. Is, is that off? I, I mean, that's what I feel with it.
1: I know that's, that's 100%. I, I really feel so entitlement itself, the definition is that the fact of having a right to something. So people feel in these areas that they have something coming to them automatically that because of whatever they've done whoever they are the position they have what their family does where they were born whatever they're like i've got this thing and it's coming to me and and for sure it's all about i you know (laughs) like i remember hearing a group of senior ncos on a trip with the air force we're talking about accommodation. We're flying in, you know, it's just half a squadron sort of got 20 to 40 guys going. And that was a whole lot of a list of I'm I'm an E7, I'm an E8, I'm entitled to this type of accommodation. And we're like, dude, like we're we're talking about a tiny little island in in the Indian Ocean. And there's nothing like that on the whole island. There is no it you cannot get that standard of accommodation anywhere. You can't get a single room with aircon, all this stuff ensuite. Don't bring me this list of telling me you're entitled to this stuff. You've been there before. You know it too. You know what I mean? Like, what are you fishing for extra money? Like, I don't even, I couldn't even understand it. And this, uh, this old wing commander operations, this old um, ex rhodesian Air Force guy just went absolutely off at these guys and tore them all a new one. (laughs) And And it's, that was the first time I heard people talk about this in a really negative way. Like, don't come in here with an entitlement mentality. And we're talking, you know, this is probably 18 years ago, the first time I really heard it as a concept. And you could just see how these feelings of well, I'm, I'm owed something rather than just like, let's just make the best of it. Like the friggin' yeah. squadron commander was going with us was in no better accommodation either. You know what I mean? It's a, a little bit better than a, a tent, you know? Like we're talking a tiny little island. It's got a runway and, and like two 300 people. And it's always just, I've never been able to understand it. And and I don't know whether that's the family I grew up in or the fact that my dad died pretty early and we just didn't have stuff, you know, like I didn't, I didn't, I got a, I think I had two bikes as a kid, you know, one was like a $10 repaint from someone's garage sale. You know, my <laughs> younger brother Hugh and I both got a bike and we got one, mate. you know, when we are like really little and then years later we maybe got another one and like, shoes falling apart and old clothes and just there was not money for stuff Mm -hmm. and and I always found it very hard to understand people who felt like you know life owed them something yeah Uh, I
0: I showed up today uh greet me like a king and queen just because I showed up but I didn't offer you anything you know it's all about me I'm like yeah you can get the hell out of the room (laughs) you know yeah man yeah and, and
1: I think also maybe joining the army at 17 and, you know, digging <laughs> shell scrapes and pit firing pits and just all that stuff, getting beasted as you do in, in, in the military carrying a pack and a rifle at, at 17. I think that really, that just melded in with my background, my family upbringing and my dad passing and the hard times we sort of had. And I was just like, well, this is just what life is like. Mm-hmm have good times, but you've really got to work hard to earn them. And when they come, you celebrate and you, you're with people you love and your friends and, you know, you have a, a few tinnies together or whatever it is that you're doing to celebrate. And you really celebrate those times. And then there's going to be another period of really hard work. And don't, don't go
0: looking for an easy way. There is no easy way. Right. So a story popped up in my head. You're talking about your Air Force buddies and stuff. And uh, I'll share a story about RAF yeah <laughs> Actually, oh, here we go just to hook him up or whatever this is part of my yeah. head
1: the best ones are when he's not here
0: yeah 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 of course you could just shut up and take it uh, <laughs> so um my first deployment i went to africa and i was in central africa in the middle of the trans sahel desert okay it's just literally if you've ever seen the movie dune uh where there's nothing but sand dunes in every direction for 400 miles uh that's what that's what i lived in i lived in a tent cot for six weeks which is basically a cot with a built-in flip-up tent over it no ac no ice um you either had like shitty mres that would just clog you up and uh bottled water so there's no running water up there so your bottled water was everything
1: mres are the ration packs so food prepared food out of cans or bags or whatever
0: yeah, meal ready to eat. it's It's military food that will just clog you up like like a plumber's nightmare. So <laughs> so uh, anyways, you don't eat that stuff all the time because literally it will mess your guts up. So uh, there's no running water. Everything was by bottled water. and if you want to take a shower, you popped a couple holes in the bottom of it and you hung it by a piece of five fifty cord and you stand under it and that's your shower. Uh, you wanted to brush your teeth, you got your bottle of water. You want, you want to do anything, that's your bottle of water. Um, it was 130 degrees usually every day. So you had to get up by like 5, 5.30 before the sun hits your tent. Otherwise, you'd just be in a sauna. Um, and then uh, after a while, you start eating local, okay, which is just a choice that you have to make because uh, you just keep getting sick if you don't. And uh, you need something else other than those MREs for six weeks. So the locals, the partner force they'd come in and they would take a goat, they'd slaughter it right in front of you and then cook a uh, goat goat meat on a piece of sheet metal and make some like Sandy bread. And that was your, that was your meal. And it was like, yeah, well, this is just my life and living in a mud, a mud compound with sticks and garbage made out of the walls. Um, so anyway, I lived like that for six weeks and, I remember just flying out on this little Gumby plane, just staring out at the never ending dunes. And I was like, Jesus, if I ever get out of here, I promise I will always appreciate my food, you know, <laughs> like just really enjoy the food that I have. Yeah. yeah um, no fast forward a year and a half later, I show up to Afghanistan. I'm at, uh, I'm at the fob RAF's crew just rolls in, you know, 25th aviation we go into and I start making friends with them and they invited me over to eat dinner with them and stuff about, I don't know, it was like a month in or so sitting in this defect on this base. There's ice cream, there's fountain drinks, there's surf and turf night, there's ice, there's everything in every one of these pilots, including Ralph. is just like, I'm so sick and tired of surf and turf. Like, Oh, steak, steak and shrimp shit. Again, man. like, this sucks, then oh, you're going to get better food, and I just got there, and like, stopped eating, and I, like, looked at all of them, they're all bitching, and I was like, every one of you can just shut the hell up, <laughs> and, you know, and I'm like this E5, and I'm sitting there, and I was like, you guys don't know shit, <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm going to get myself a second serving of mint chocolate chip ice cream here, and uh, appreciate and have gratitude uh, of everything that's in this place, you guys need to shut the hell up. But uh, that was the story uh, that I shared with them. I was like, you guys know where I was a year, year and a half ago? And I told him, I showed him some pictures. And I think it changed some of them. Some of those guys were like, nope, nope, still entitled. I still want my five-star meal. But uh, yeah, so great example of coming professionally into that environment and guys complaining about the food in a war zone. Okay.
1: <laughs> it's pretty funny because I had like the same experience at our base when i was operating in an o3 and there was like i was sitting there eating in a chow hall meal, meals that were freshly cooked out of the bain marie you know and i like go to the gym go to the chow hall eat a gigantic plate of food wait until the end of the service and even the second gigantic plate of food right i was like eat fly lift and sleep was sort of my whole life and I, I just listened to this group of dudes next to me complaining that there was only two flavors of Baskin-Robbins ice cream. And I just, <laughs> same, same, you know, like having eaten, they call them rat packs in Australia, the MREs, the same thing, cans of food. And, you know, you want, you can carry it around a little bag for one person for a day. You, you know, you have that for a period and you like, you know how good it is just to have anything that's been freshly cooked, vegetables and fruit and stuff. And I was the same, I just couldn't believe that that was the adju- and it's sort of like well their background maybe is totally different they've not been exposed to this kind of stuff sure like,
0: you know yeah well <clears throat> if you if you notice the difference there so you have the entitlement which is i i i i want i deserve this i should get this the the gratitude portion comes from when i looked outside myself yeah you know, yep. sit, sitting in Africa, um, you know, I, I shared some stories there that just really changed my, my perception on life and everything. You know, like the, the story about we went to this village to drop off some extra food and water that we had before we departed. And uh, this little girl uh, comes out. <clears throat> There's like six kids uh, all under the age of 10 and one mother, no father. And they were literally living in a mud hut with little uh, sticks made up, like made up of fence to keep like a chicken. There was like one chicken or something like that in this little pen and uh, walk up with the uh, interpreter and this little girl comes walking out with her little brother. Uh, and he, it looked like he started to have bloat, which is like when their stomachs start getting big and it's malnutrition and it's really sad. And um, she's carrying him out under her, her arm, swinging him. And she comes up and sets them down, starts talking to me. And, I, you know, I don't speak uh, Arabic, uh, but the interpreter is like talking to her. And I was like, hey, I was like, if she wants more food and water, like there's M&Ms and there's candy in there, like the children love candy, like Jolly yes. Ranchers. Oh, my God, dude. They just won the lottery of life. Um, so I was like, she can have like whatever, like they're welcome to it. And the interpreter looked at me and he's like, he's like, he's like, nah, man, that, that's not what she's saying she does, she's not thinking that way. And I was like, well, what's she saying? She goes, she's asking if she can trade her brother for more food for the rest of her family. And I just, dude, I, I just stood there and I was like, are you, are you serious? She wants to trade a family member. So the rest of her family can eat. I was like, she don't have, I was like, she don't have to. And I reached in the truck. and know he had a box of all the candy separated and stuff for just kids Um, and I get, you know, I, I gave me to like, I think an M&M and a Skittles or something like that. And I was like, the mother came over and we're like, you can just have this. We don't want anything back. Like you can just have this. And they were so grateful. So freaking grateful, uh, just to have that fast forward, you come home and you got these people that are, they're complaining. My $7 Starbucks coffee didn't come out fast enough. You know, it's like, are you shitting me? are you shitting me? You know, and like, I always go back to these experiences that I've had in military. I don't always say anything. Uh, You know, it's just kind of, I I would lose myself if I did, because I see it all the time. Is just people not being grateful for what they can have or have the opportunity to have. Uh, They just don't see it. It's like, they're blind to it. Um, But really the point is the entitlement is looking at yourself and I, 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 that gratitude is when you start looking outside of yourself, taking a look around the environment, different cultures, different places and seeing like, man, they don't have this. You know, that teaches you to kind of take that I want versus I'm grateful. I'm lucky, you know, sort of sort of approach. It definitely has for me 10 times over. It's like the um, the two
1: thoughts or feelings can't exist at the same time you can't feel gratitude at the same moment as feeling entitlement because there's like, I deserve this rather than this is a gift. Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, I've had um, hard days with, I know everyone does, everyone's had hard days, everyone's had tragedy. Moments for me when uh, Annie was in the neonatal unit, just the fact of being there, the fact that these, these little babies, these little human beings didn't choose to be there. It's not It's not like they did anything. They did anything wrong. The families didn't do anything wrong. This is just a, a calamity or a, a situation that has unfolded and they're there. So that's already like a tragedy and they didn't do anything to earn it. And then like some really serious negative health outcomes falling on these tiny babies is another step worse. And then the last step is when you see some of them not make it. And you just think you can't help but think having seen these little lives end even before they've started with just what you've got in your day and having, you know, even your worst day, like a beautiful experiences unfolded if you're there to witness it and it doesn't have to it, you don't have to be a saint you know I'm not I'm not saying you have to be like a Dalai Lama but in any moment in any day there's there's experience to be grateful for and a person on the deathbed would or would they give for another one and seeing these little babies in particular not having the opportunity to have like just a shit average day or not have an opportunity to have a bad day, not an opportunity to have a day where they had the heart broken by a boyfriend or you know, sort an argument with between their parents like a shit day.
0: Hmm.
1: And you just think, where am I at on a spectrum of expectation, thinking about what should be coming to me in concrete terms? You can't hold that thought in your mind and be in that be in that environment. Because you just think. If everyone on, on, on the earth who doesn't deserve what's befallen them these babies should still be in a womb you know they they're not even supposed to be born yet
0: yeah. so Mel let me ask you a question and for the listeners too and when you think about this what are you entitled to and is that an easy question
1: well, honestly I like I'm sure I have moments I'm sure I do. But I really, I really feel like I feel like I've lived a life like I've never expected to have anything. Mm -hmm. Like I have not expected financial stuff from childhood, not expected to get good grades. And like I feel like I feel like life is hard and that you know there's tragedy all around. There's a thousand ways to smash shit and there's only one way to build it correctly with health and fitness and relationships and careers and finances and everything, everything else. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like, you know, it's just, it's a, it's supposed to be a, like how is it supposed to be anything other than hard work? Like we've come out of the jungle, you know what I mean? Our ancestors were freaking there was no wall and there was lions and snakes and stuff right there. And it's like to think like now, it's all happy days. I'd, I've never thought
0: that. It's a tough question. Like I, I asked myself that question, you know, what, what am I entitled to? That's, uh, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Like yeah. if I was to actually come out and be like, I am entitled to a giant bed with plenty of food and this and that, whatever, I would feel like a selfish asshole. Like, yeah. like if I came out and was like, I am entitled to this. It would make me feel like a dictator or an, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. It doesn't feel right. Now, if I asked you, what are you grateful for?
1: Oh yeah. That's so not much, much so much it's a easier. Totally different, it's a totally different space for your mind to start thinking.
0: Yeah. It, it, that's honestly how I start my day. Um, on my whiteboard next to my door. And I know I've talked about it. It literally says, what, what are you grateful for today? And I change it every day. I wake up, put on some music, have my coffee, and then I sit there and I'm like, hmm, what am I, what am I grateful for today? You know, it could be anything, absolutely anything. And I write it up there. So I walk by it, I see it, I read it, I acknowledge it. And I'm just like, yeah, wow, man, I have that in my life. You know, it's like personally, I could live and I and I have. I I won't, I won't lie, you know, like you said, Melon, there's things that I never thought I would think I would experience, you know, like I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania, um, a township really not even a city or anything, but it was a township. And, you know, we, my family, we worked for absolutely everything that we ever wanted. You know, uh, we didn't always have the nicest things. My mom loved going to garage sales, like you said, and like get things, repaint them, refurbish them. And like, that was our new cabinet. That was our new table. And, you know, we, we loved it. And I never even thought about it. I was like, yeah, like, look how nice this is. You know, this is great. Um, I never thought I would, you know, I've been to 33 countries. I've seen some of the best things, you know, that travelers always want to see and experiences that I've had. And, you know, I literally went from living in that tent cot. We flew out through, Mar- Mauritania, burkina faso and then off the coast uh to grand canary islands where our plane in quotes broke and uh, we hung out for four days at a five-star hotel where there's an infinity pool on the roof and room service and like all this other shit so i literally went from like living like negative one star to a day and a half later of five stars Wow! and i and you know i don't say that in a bragging way it just made me even more grateful that I was just like, you know what? Yeah, I slept in a tent cot, but at least I had a place to sleep. I wasn't sleeping on the ground, you know, and then I'm living in this five-star room with room service. And I I think I ordered so many margarita pizzas and everything that I could (laughs) freaking stuff in my face. I was so hungry, but I took, you know what I did do? I took like six showers a day because there was running water and it was cold. And I just took a shower just to feel that. And I was like, Oh, I have a shower. And I just took all those amenities, those really nice amenities and broke them down to like exactly what there are. I was like, I have ice in my glass. I have cold water. I have running water. Uh, You know, I have, I can relax here. There's nobody trying to like kill me or hunt me, (laughs) you know, just all these little things from man. And you know, I'm comfortable living in both now because I have an understanding of like what it is and what I should take away from it. So I can live like shit or I could live like a king like Raf usually does in his, you know, golden draped hotels, <laughs> but either way, it's not going to, it's not going to change me. You know, I'm, st- I will be the exact same guy in both environments because I know what I've had. I've know what I've lost. Uh, and I know what I haven't had when I wanted it the most. So, it's it's a it's a good balance to maintain. And
1: like I think it's really important for for parents. Like, we, oh no, you don't have. You do have kids. You can have this tendency to want to provide them with everything, and and certainly in the West, that can become like material, material solutions, toys. I want this. I want that. The other, but it's 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 not the child. That you need to be thinking about. You need to be thinking about the adult you're growing. You need to be thinking about the development of character, mm-hmm. and 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 children need to hear no. But they need to know that there's limits. They need to have, experience frustration and delay gratification. That if they do good stuff, then they get reward. But there's an Indian there's an Indian curse from in South Asia. May you have reward without effort. And it's a curse. And, and we all know that that leads to just a, lo- a life of like a downward spiral of people having the stuff of victory without ever having earned it. Like it sets you up to have a life of disruption and chaos. The people who are getting out of bed at 1, 1 p.m. every day, you know, and they've like you wouldn't swap your life for that. Like they don't have a mission. They don't have sense of achievement at the end of the week, having stuff in the bag. And it's it's difficult to put your children into difficult situations where you say no to them and never got to earn stuff, and they you know they get told no and they can't have that thing. Yeah, and it's like you got to take a long range view, and we all know like that spoiled child thing, and it's it's more difficult sometimes to look at yourself because there's things that we have that we're taking for granted, and the taking for granted is you know tips over into expectation and entitlement, and you don't have to go far. In terms of geographically, you know, so the people who tend to live in the west and haven't been into much poorer countries tend to have much more sense of entitlement because they've not seen people doing that. And also, even in the west, you don't have to go back very far historically. Like you just think of your own standard living as a child, and then you swap that to your parents' standard living, and then grandparent, great-grandparent. You don't have to go very far to be like. Man, like the standard of living, the air-conditioned house with the good seals on the windows and glass and what sort of what the car is like, the safety of the car you're driving in and all of those things. Like it's an amazing time we're living in and we can do better, but it is like just that standard of living change over time is an unbelievable thing to, to appreciate what you have, to appreciate having good health and a life expectancy that goes past 40 and, you know, these other things. So there's a lot of elements that you can find to trigger your gratitude if you get stuck. Because <laughs> I know, like I've done, there's um, Dr. DiMatteo, I think is his name, is a chiropractor, and he has this thing about the attitude of gratitude. And he's like, have your, your grateful things that you say in the morning or the evening. And you can sort of get in like a, yeah, blowing them off or doing the same stuff every time. But if you, if you stop, there's something you can find in your day that was something your grandparents or great-grandparents would have, would have been a miracle to them. A you know, light after dark or a, a movie you just saw that was a $260 million production that King Solomon never saw anything half as good as, you know, and you're chilling popcorn and, you know, it's just another, another night of the week. <laughs> like it's a, There's amazing things that we, we have around us. And when you foster and then embody that attitude of gratitude and you are like that with people, it's a different life for you, and it's a different life for the people around you.
0: Yeah, it, and you mentioned it, and I have discussions about it with uh, family, uh, with friends, and everything. And like I said, I'm not I'm not a parent or anything, but it could just go with anybody, really. And even in a professional environment, you know, you ever hear the the people that are like, um, I guess, kind of like you, you and I, Melon. You know, you start out, you don't have everything. You have to work for everything that you had. Um, You know, you didn't always have the nicest things. And you were just kind of like growing up and you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, this is it. And then as you start getting older, more experiences, you start seeing what's really out there. And you're kind of like, wow, wow. Like, and and then you get to work hard and then you get some of that stuff. Um, Normally, things just aren't given to you. Like there had to be effort that had to go in and either to be considered to being on the receiving end of that, you know, like if I wouldn't have done my training pipeline or whatever, I would never would have gone to these places just because that was my kind of, you know, my effort to even be exposed to what was out there. And what you hear people say a lot is, well, I grew up hard. I didn't have a lot when I was growing up. So I want to work my ass off and give my children a life that was not like mine and I want to make sure they have the things I never had and get to experience the things I never did and I get that like you I don't have kids but I also know like I want the best for my kids I want them to have fun like to, you know they that's all they want to do is kids they want to have fun and laugh and play you I know? don't have to be
1: your kids like any kids we all are like yeah. you see it you just want the best for them
0: Exactly, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But if you stop and think about like what you're doing and how you're doing it, right? So, I, you know, if you grew up, didn't have a lot, and then you're like, well, I just want to hand everything to my children because I didn't have that. And you just give it to them at a young age and they didn't work for it. They just woke up and you're like, ah, here's this. Ah, here's that. Here's a brand new car. Here's brand new, the best clothes. Here's the best iPhone. Here's the best Vacation. Here's the best jewelry. Here's the best everything. They're like, well, I just, I'm, I'm just gonna get handed it. And uh my parents tell me I'm special all the time, and everybody better recognize that. And you know, then they turn into Karen, and they're like, I want my seven dollar coffee in like less than three minutes. You know, <laughs> it's like seven dollar coffee, man. That it's was, crazy, dude. Well, the inflation is thing like eight fifty now. But anyway, I know. Um, You know that that's. That's the risk you're taking is, you know, you can have success, you can, you can have financial um, stability and and do all those and, and your intention can be right. But we should always be teaching gratitude uh, to its core. Uh, and It could be, hey, I want you to clean up the house and do some chores so you can earn some extra money for five bucks a week or whatever. And then you can go buy candy at the corner store, or like do whatever, you know, or I don't know, whatever you want to get, you know, buy a video game on Xbox or some shit, Um, you know, teaching them from those simple lessons all the way up or whatever and teaching. This is why you should be grateful and sharing other examples of other children, you know, what was it uh the, the the famous one, you know, there's starving people in China that would love to have that, you know, when you're eating dinner and you're like, I don't want fucking meatloaf, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's true. it's
1: true. Yeah, yeah. You hand it out to your dad, you're like, oh, send it to them then, you know.
0: <laughs> I never said that, but that's a good point.
1: Yeah, you get a freaking smack in the side of the head when I was a kid. They'd be more likely like, my mom with a wooden spoon. It, it's funny, right? Like the, the these little things like being one of the things we have with our kids, like they do chores, but there's no money. There's no pocket money. There's nothing like that. Like we've read a lot and we talked about it a lot. And it's just like, there are things that we all do and we don't do them for money. We do them because that life works when we're all making our contribution. Mm-hmm. So one of the things with the kids is, you know, like we've all got our bit to do. Like mum runs a home and freaking provides the love and nurturing environment and just takes care of everybody. And so I go off to work and you know, have my mission and achieve it and push on. And I tell the kids, you know, that's skipping the lights on. That brings in the resources. And it's like, well, and you let the kids know that what they're doing is important. Like, no, 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 your part in this is you work hard in school. And, uh, you know, for Annie, you really get into your music and let's push some boundaries there. And Michael, you know, you've got your rugby and your friends and your outlet and all that sort of stuff. And they really get it when you explain all of that. And we had the experience the other night, Jerry, if I going into the kitchen, like in the evening, you know, so sort of turn the lights off and stuff and going opening the, the dishwasher. And it was like totally emptied and everything being put away. We turned around and there's like the cutlery box and that's on the counter just above the, the knife drawer and stuff. And so we knew that that was Annie who'd done that because she can't, she doesn't unload the knives, right? Like she's not sticking a hand in there with all the steak knives standing up. <laughs> that's a recipe for disaster. So, so we knew that she had she'd just gone and put that all away in her little end-of-night routine. And it's not easy for her. It takes her a long time to put the dishes away. It's not. When Michael does it; it's super fast. And it was just like a feeling of like, wow, this child has just done this chore, which takes her a while. And there's no, no one said anything, and she just did it on her own. And the other week when I was sick, I was getting out of bed pretty late, and I'd missed Michael. And he'd gotten up. Jerry and I both were sick at the same time. Michael had gotten, gotten up and made his breakfast, made his lunch, and had gone, ridden his bike off and caught the bus to school without seeing us. And he did it a couple of days in a row. And I was like, children get it when you are just clear and you're calm and you explain roles and stuff. And it's like the responsibility and gratitude part go together and an expectation and entitlement are on the other side of the coin and you can't have them in the same space at the same time.
0: Yeah, that's... Uh- it's cool. To, that's cool to think about that, that. That brought up a story that you told me about Michael the one time when his friends were coming over and you told him he was making dinner. You remember that story?
1: I'm not sure, but I know this has happened several times.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So it, it was cool because I remember, you know, Michael's what, four, 13, 14?
1: It's 13 now. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So young man, he's learning. He, he's a phenomenal young man, but Valuable lesson, right? So Cherry always makes the food. You know, Melon's always complaining. He, well, he doesn't complain. He, he's actually very grateful when he gets home. And cheza's already made him this massive plate of meat and gorilla food. And he always <laughs> sends pictures like, ah, you know, he always says contract extended, you know, and it's like this this big thing of food waiting for him when he gets home. And, um, you know, I'm, my, I'm sure. Michael and his friends came over and uh, they hurry up and ate and they never said thank you. To, or anything for the food for to to Chezza. so uh, Melon was like, "Hey, tonight you're gonna make dinner for your friends." So Michael was in the kitchen and he's making food like sandwiches and chips and putting stuff together. All of his friends ate, and then they just got up and left. And that was kind of the light bulb moment. And uh, I think it was you, Melon, when you asked him, "You're like, like, how did that make you feel?" None of them said thank you, and he goes, "Ah, it didn't feel really good. Like I put a lot of work into making all that for them and." They didn't even say thank you, and and he just kind of was like leaned back and he's like, you see, and he's like, ah, I don't tell mom thank you for for food, or for her making it for me, and it kind of like taught him a very valuable lesson. Uh, you should be grateful that you have a mom that she's making you food, and you know that you can come home to that and have that security and everything else because. Many, many people in the world, they don't have that. They don't have a mom. They don't have food. They don't have a house. They don't have anything to come home to. And they're just, you know, I've seen it with my own eyes, especially in Africa. People wake up with nothing, no job, no education, no food, no direction, no nothing. And they literally just wake up, sit outside the house and they wait for something to happen just to be like, oh, look, there's something to do. And they just kind of mosey through life with no purpose, you know?
1: The point in that story is like it is it is hard to maintain like gratitude and awareness it is and it is easy to sl- slide into these things were here yesterday the routine occurs these things these things occur like i have uh you know the hot meal but it's it is like a thing that as soon as soon as you stop focusing on it and it's not like i keep it's not always in the center of my friggin' my uh, crosshairs right like it does take an effort to keep it there but when you keep it there the way you feel and the way the people around you feel is different that's sort of what we're trying to get across in this in this episode that your experience of your own life and the people around you's experience is different when you are able to to focus on it like i know if we we don't really eat out much you know like it's it's home meals so Cesare is like smashing food out and the kids are just you know in that teen period of like the appetites just kicking and i'm a friggin', it's never it never stopped for me with the lifting (laughs) and and everything and so she just pumps the food out and when we go out for a meal like like sorry when she's just cooking like it is a thing to, to to find something and not just have it be a rote automatic statement that can be discarded and to appreciate find something in the moment to appreciate and then if we do go out for dinner which is not that often and on the way home if the kids and cherry say thank you for dinner you know like as in like i've paid for it it no joke it makes a big difference to me i think like yeah you know like that that bit of effort to get the resources and and so on is being appreciated and it's like little statements have started to come in from the kids, you know, coming from work and asking me how my day wasn't thanking me for like going out and doing it. you like, wow, like these, these behaviors are starting to get bedded in. And it's always, always, always what you do when those little eyes are watching rather than what you say, like they observe the actions and they see the stuff you do. And that is what they model rather than what you tell them to do. But there's some really nice little things like the end of season having my son and other kids thank me for coaching them through the year and stuff and like it's little things that 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 matter to the receiver and you know that the child is slightly different from saying it and they're feeling different like they're having a moment rather than just cruising through and can't wait to get back on the Xbox
0: <laughs> right yeah 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 the the drone mentality yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's, uh, you know, there's some really good examples in here of both. And, you know, I think, you know, I do it, I do it on a daily basis, like I said, with my whiteboard and what I write up there for gratitude, but I start my day off with a sense of gratitude. I never wake up and I go, well, today I'm entitled to this. I better get this or I'm, or the world can burn like, I just don't wake up like that anymore. I don't expect to be handed anything. Um, I can put in the work, and I'm going to put in the work. But if I always expect expect the outcome that I want every single time, it's not realistic. You know, like yeah. the the relationship I talked about, or maybe I work my ass off for a position, right? I can't control what my supervisor, my boss, or anybody else like i I can't control them so maybe they just had a bad day and they're like no i don't feel like giving it to you and then i can argue i can do whatever and of course like if you work for a position you earned it and somebody's just screwing you over that's another story but it's like i'm not going to turn toxic i'm not going to turn into this person it's like my intent was right my approach was right i came at it with a sense of humility and gratefulness um and what and I hate saying it, but it's kind of like, you know, hey, it is what it is. Uh, It's going to just play out the way it does. And that's got to be okay. But that doesn't need to change who I am on the inside or my intent or any of that. And um, that gratitude will always stay there, you know, and it's not always right to accept, you know, Well, it could always be worse. Right. You hear a lot of people say all the time, like, well, hey, it could be worse. And then nothing else comes after that. It's like, no, this is pretty fucking bad. Like, yeah, I, this is bad. Like, call it what it is. Right. And somebody's like, oh, it could be worse. Um, yeah. yes, it probably could be, but acknowledging it is a whole nother thing. And just like, yeah, call it what it is. This is bad. Um, But then when you start thinking about other people and you take that time to process it, and you are like, yeah, you know what, this is really bad, but also I can look at this from a really deep point is at least I'm still alive to experience this. You know, I'm alive today to have a bad day. And if you think about anybody that's ever passed on, you know, I think we talked about in another episode, but it's just like, you know, if that person that's passed and God was like, Hey, I'm going to make you a deal to have one more day. But it's gonna be a shit day on Earth. You're gonna take that deal, and that I, I can't imagine them saying no because at least you can make some phone calls. You can find some beauty throughout the day. You can sit and enjoy looking at, you know, green grass. God, man, I freaking love grass. Really soft grass because I've been so so much in the desert and just shit. And it's just like you come home, you take your shoes off, put your toes, wiggle them around in some nice grass. Oh my God, it's like freaking heaven. You know, just take the time to really look around and be like, man, I'm so lucky to experience this, to have this in my life or to have experienced this in my life. Um, yeah, I mean, you can just go down the list.
1: It's, it's also like having this gratitude for what you have doesn't mean you're giving up goals. It doesn't mean that you're not striving for excellence or you're not setting goals. You know, the three pillars that we keep talking about in uh, pushing back cast is family, professional and personal, like your intimate uh, partner relationship, your professional life and family. And you should, it's okay to, and you definitely should have goals for those three areas of your life where you're really pushing and you're working on a plan and you're you're not accepting mediocrity and you, you want things to be amazing because that's the sort of life you should be striving after, right? So... That's not. It's not like that's incompatible with what we're saying. You can be pushing for Olympic gold in your athletic endeavors while you still really appreciate your mum and what she's good for you. Know. But these things don't. One doesn't displace the other. And so I just had had a, a thought just in the middle there of, of what you were saying, Mike. That the gratitude and a goal, is hand in hand. You can be. You can look at your bank account and be like, this is not where it should be. And you can still be grateful for the fact that it's still better than 90% of the, the earth's surface. You know, mm-hmm. the people in third world give everything what you've got. While you're still like, yes, I'm going to push forward. And I'm going to set myself some good habits and structures and stuff to achieve something here. Well, gratitude and entitlement. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say about these topics. The uh, chiropractor I was referring to is Dr. Timartini. I saw him uh, in some seminars. He's just an amazing, the the vibe that this guy, this positive energy he gives off um, with the attitude of gratitude. We'd love to hear your experiences with both entitlement mentality or an expectation mentality versus gratitude and how that's played out for people around you and for yourself. While you're at it, we'd love you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. We're on uh, all social media Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, what are the other ones that are on there? We're setting up websites and stuff. So we're going to be looking to list our back show, the back catalog from Not Your Average Operator, or the other 90 episodes that, that are there. And uh, no joke for us now starting this new one, we would love a review and ratings because that does help with the algorithm and it does help push it out. And you know, we're not looking to turn a dollar here in any way or shape. We've done this. For over two years now we just want to try and push influence out and see if we can't help more more people so from us to you you can uh, see us at pushingbackchaos at gmail.com or apply to all messages we get and send in topics you'd like to hear us talk about or insights that you've had in your own life and uh look for your own examples during the week and see in moments whether you can shift from entitlement to gratitude and let us know how that plays where. so until next week Take care.